Hey, good morning. I'm, uh, I'm Carl, and I, I sometimes get to preach here. I'm part of a little group that takes turns. Um, is there a, somebody that would know, like a little um, music stand or something I can set? I couldn't find one. I should have thought of that earlier. You got, thanks. Thanks, sir. All right, so how's your post? How, how did you do Halloween? I mean, I know the kids aren't here. I'm just talking about maybe the tax that um, some parents I hear sometimes impose. Uh, did you guys do okay? Did, did you run into, did your kids, or maybe you, I don't want to judge, did um, run into any, you know, um, candy protesters? Do they still do, like, the candy, pro when I was a kid, candy protesters would give you packs of raisins. Do you, do you, so I don't know, is that still a thing? I don't have kids, you know, my kids aren't. Any, any raisin givers? I had a friend, this is the honest truth, and he would, he would, give, he would give walnuts is what he would give. He was, and, um, and it was weird because he ate a lot of candy himself. So I don't understand the story, but anyhow, that's how maybe we all do it. Um, the reason, the reason I, I, I actually was bringing that up is I, I, was, I'm trying to, I was trying to think of some way to tie in this shift is going to happen now in this gospel story, this good news. So gospel just means good news, good news, good news. And it kind of got started. What would happen was when the, the conquering Caesar would be coming into his new conquered place, but kind of by law, all the people would have to start saying, good news, good news, Caesar's here. Caesar's going to take care of everything. Everything's going to be okay now. And so We've adopted that. We, we Christians took that, that the good news is because the king has come. And, and in summary, if you've missed the last three or four weeks, this book of Ephesians, which is a letter that was written to some folks, and, and here, kind of a quick summary is Jesus is awesome. Like, you should really consider Jesus. And there's all these, this, this information about Jesus and who he is and what he can do and, and, and the amazing life he's envisioned for you. But then there's a little shift then that not only does Jesus envision a, a, a new life for me as, like as an individual, but for us as a community, as a group. And... and, and so this weird visual I had was this idea that, that like, it, it's a little bit like we all had our absolute full trick-or-treat bag, you know, we all had our little trick-or-treat bag, and, 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 and when we're bouncing against each other, our bags are so full, all the goodies just kind of spill, and nobody, nobody doesn't have enough. There's plenty of, of Halloween goodies to go around just because our bags are so full and, and there's plenty in my bag and actually if I give you some out of my bag somehow, magically it gets more in it. it it's just, it's marvelous. However, there could be one, one small problem and then we'll talk about it. And that is if your Halloween bag and Halloween candy in this story, that means love. That's not a stretch. Chocolate does feel like love, right? <laughs> you know, raisins feel like something else. <laughs> Here, honey, happy anniversary. I got you a box of raisins. So, unless your Halloween bag, like many of us, were to have a big hole in it. 
I, I'm going to read for you the, the passage we're going to look at, and then I'll explain what I mean by the whole and how we maybe can fix that. So, the letter to the Ephesians. And I'm going to begin in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to just read the first part, and then I'm going to skip all the way over to the part of Ephesians 5 that some of you or many of you are familiar with. The, the one about the submission part. Ephesians 5.1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That sentence is going to color everything we're going to talk about. Without that sentence, nothing else will make sense. Nothing else will be helpful. But let's go down to the part where most people are familiar with Ephesians chapter 5. Submit, your, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is going to be a long list. This is a long story, so hang with me. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. And for this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord, the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. Paul, I, I'm, well, let, me, let, me, let me share with you a couple of ideas that I'm hoping we will 
um, be able to use today. Go to the next slide. I think it's that last one. This has been a profound change in my life. It sounds so basic. I'll talk about it today. But there's nothing in the Bible that tells me what I can do to be more loved. Not that I've found. And there's one more that will help guide our conversation today. One more slide. Every injunction, every imperative, every command is also an invitation to this thing that Jesus calls life, real life. All right, let me go back to our passage now. Paul, as I need to remind us, is writing a letter. And he's writing it to some specific people. He has in mind this group of people. And he's writing to help them understand what it means to to have this kind of life that Jesus has offered us. And what it looks like when we do that together. And so he, he has these sort of three relationships that he's talking about. He talks about husband and wives, dads and kids, masters and slaves. So if you're here and you're a single person who doesn't intend maybe to be married, and you don't have children, and I don't even need to go to the third one, then are you going to sit here and go, well, then this has nothing to say to me. You see, most of the time when this passage gets talked about, it gets talked about in some very specific roles. As a matter of fact, I've heard it called roles. God's instructions for the, the role that you have. I don't think that's what he's doing at all. I think that in all three of these relationships, there is information that is valuable to all of us. And that's his primary point. Secondarily, he does talk about the marriage relationship, the family relationship, and this master-slave relationship. But that's a secondary point to what he's trying to say. All right, I'm going to have to kind of prove all this to you. I get that. You're, You're wise to be somewhat skeptical. Let me go back to verse 1, though. Before we get to this, this big idea, this, 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 this big shift that is going to be, actually, it's, 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 it's mind-blowing to the Ephesian readers. And in fact, it, it doesn't feel mind-blowing to us, but in some ways it should because it's so revolutionary what he's offering and what he's proposing. But it begins with these words. Therefore... As dearly loved children. Before we can move to the invitation of this life, this way of living that is going to be very difficult. Like this is this is not this is not one on one kingdom living, what he's proposing. But before we can get there, we have to start at the very foundation, the only thing that will fix the hole in that love bag that you might have. And that is how I see myself. Who am I? 
I do not believe our identity is ever who I was, what I feel, what I like, what I prefer, or even what I hope. My identity, the foundation of how I should talk to myself, describe who I am, say who I am, is summed up in these words. I am a beloved child. I am beloved child. He has just spent four chapters proving to you that you are a beloved child because of what Jesus the rescuer, that's his, the word, Jesus the rescuer who is now our king has offered us. I am a beloved child. So what does a beloved child look like when he's bumping into other people with his full bag of candy? The word, it would be as if we had a coin, and if on one side was love, on the other, it's still the same coin, is this word, submit. That's the word. Here's what he says. He says, submit. This is his big shift, the big pivot in the book. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He uses three relationships as an example, but he begins the whole thing by saying, everybody submits to everybody. Now you're thinking, well, how can that be? How can everybody submit to everybody? Well, I think there were some things probably happening in Corinth that he knew about and maybe were unique, but I don't think that means we can't kind of listen in and lean in and find out something. Now, let me say, that isn't to say that what the scriptures here say about marriage is unimportant. It's very important. And if we were going to be doing a four-week series on Ephesians 5, which we could easily do, because as you notice, I cut out the middle section, which is not helpful and not very, but sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, but I would love to talk about them, but we don't have that time. But if we were, we could come back and talk about marriage and dial down into some of the theology he gives. It's so helpful. But that's not his primary point. His primary point is submit one to another. And here's some examples of what that looks like. So now I'm just going to kind of read through these ideas. What does submission look like? One, it looks like respect. It's going to look like sacrifice. It's going to, it's going to look like not using my power in an abusive way. It's going to look like deferring to somebody. And the enemy to all of them will be if I believe I need to get you to do something 
in order for me to feel like I'm loved. Here's the things that betray it. Let's, let's start with respect. I'll give, you, I'll give you, let me give you a little insight as a, you know, in those years when I was a pastor and a couple was in deep trouble and they would come to me and they would want my help. If they had been raised in the church, I guarantee you that this, these verses were going to be quoted. And I can guarantee you that when the wife came to talk to me, it wasn't her longing to learn how she was going to sort of figure out what it meant for her to be respectful, but she was completely obsessed with how he wasn't loving her. And what was his response, perhaps, be? Could you even anticipate what that might be? Or maybe you experienced this early in your marriage. Well, I would, I would be so much more respectful if she only would love me. All right. Just a little insight there for you. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, why don't you read your wife's portion and then you kind of get her to do that part and then that's not what he's saying at all. Respect. Let me just, I'm going to blow through these really fast. What does it look like to be a respectful person to another person? How do I submit? How do I submit what I want? Well, I can tell you how I don't do it or how I tend to do it is I have a Wicked eye roll. <laughs> April says something, let's say. All I have to do is I can just turn to one of the kids and kind of go, you know, that big, huge eye roll. Or, or if it, if, let's say things really get heated between us. Silent treatment. Brilliant, works every time. Is silent treatment or eye-rolling, both are, are incredibly disrespectful. Are those just female attributes? Obviously not. He goes on, deep sacrifice. So he says, husbands, I want you to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now again, just think through this. Is there any place in the Bible that you can think of where it would say, wives, don't love your husbands? I've heard, I've heard sermons, but because it isn't mentioned in this one verse, therefore it's kind of not that big a deal for wives to love their husbands. But that's the whole point of being a disciple of Jesus. We love God and we love others. So then the question is, what is that love going to look like? Well, here's an, ex here's an example. Deep sacrifice. Man, I, I know I'm struggling with this. Last night, I, I, my granddaughter was over, and I found two mini chocolate bars that she had left. I, I don't know if I can tell you how long the inner dialogue was, should I tell April that I found two? <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm not joking. I'm not even joking. She, I could do that. She would never know. She doesn't need chocolate. She's trying to cut. I'm telling, this is my dialogue. She's trying to cut down on sugar. I could just eat both of them. And he's saying that the way we submit to each other, the way we can live together, 
is by deep sacrifice. It's funny, he, he, he moves to children next. Do you, ever have a, do you ever have issues with obeying? Or, or let me take it out of even that, letting somebody else kind of run the agenda even if you're better at it? That's what submitting can look like. I took my mom last year. I drove my mom down to Mississippi. I've got a GPS system. My mom does also, but hers is internal. <laughs> and my GPS, as we're driving from Denver to Biloxi, Mississippi, she's driven that time many times, on five different occasions, my mom would kind of, in a kind of a loud and frustrated voice, don't, no, 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 don't turn there, turn here. And I would turn. And it would be a few miles down the road when it would be, oh, I think I got that wrong. And we'd have to go back to my GPS. It happened five times. I told my mom after the fifth time, I said, I want to commend you that your lack of accuracy does not somehow subdue your, your enthusiasm. <laughs> or your belief that you're right. And here's what was interesting. I found myself getting irritated. So irritated. Why? What does it matter? I, we're in no hurry. It didn't matter. But I, it irritated me to death that she thought she was smarter than my GPS. It just irritated me. I had to learn to submit to that. Fathers, don't exasperate your children or people. Here's, here's what submission doesn't look like. It doesn't, it doesn't look like forcing your agenda. I saved the best for last, obviously. Obviously, it's kind of a touchy subject, masters and slaves. Slavery of any form is horrible. There are, there's no good slavery. 2,000 years ago, since we're reading somebody else's mail, we do need to understand that the imagery we have for slavery is different than the imagery they had for slavery. There's a little bit that would be similar, and that would have been prisoners of war. So prisoners of war would have been slaves. But they calculate that, say, in Rome, 30 to 50 percent of the population at any given moment were slaves because there was no social safety network. There was no bankruptcy court. And people would starve to death when they ran out of the ability to buy food. And as a last resort, you could sell yourself to someone. And it is true, that person had absolute control over you. There was no law, if they wanted, you became their property for a season until your debt was paid. It's a horrible system, but it was better than starving to death. But don't you find it fascinating that slaves and masters both came to, came to Jesus? And he says to both of them, the way we live together is we submit. Let's go with the either one. But the abuse of power. 
in our family, there, you would only have to say flying cereal bowl, and everybody will know the moment in time. When the kids were little, and I, April and I, were, I was asking, we couldn't remember what the incident was, but somebody irritated Dad. I think it was April. <laughs> she wasn't doing it the way that I knew we should do it. And I don't know, some reflexive moment, that cereal bowl levitated off the counter and smashed against the wall. Now I think I have your attention. Abuse of power. When my kids were little, my deep regret is I was a yeller. I would yell. Because, see, I thought they were hard of hearing. I thought, and not just to the kids, April too. If we're in the middle of a fight. I, I, and I've said what is absolutely, obviously clear and the proper thing to say, and she's not doing it. It must be she didn't hear me. The only thing missing is more volume. This is a big passage. I didn't want to just blow by it. I, I didn't want it to just feel like something we're reading, and it makes no application to anybody because it's about marriage, and it's about kids, and it's about slaves. It's not about that. It's about us. It's about us. And the only way that, that we can help fill each other's buckets is when we live out this thing, he says, the way of love, which means I, I am not undermining you. I'm respectful of you. I make sacrifices for you. I don't have to have my own way. I, I can live with being irritated. How, how, how can we make that change? So remember this. There is nowhere in the Bible that tells me what I have to do to get you to love me. But all of those behaviors... That subtext of my power, my irritate, my abuse, my whatever it is, the subtext is, I want to force you to make me feel good. Submission is when I lay down my power to try to get you to love me. But if I love you, my bag will never run out. Let me pray. Lord, there's a lot of stuff here in your Bible. And some of it we don't quite get. But the, the parts that are hardest for me, Father, are the parts I do get, honestly. The parts that seem clear. But they're just hard. Lord, I know your way's better. I know you're trying to invite me into life. Help me not resist the life you've called me to. Lord, help just the constant knowledge that I am your beloved child. I pray that would empower me as I learn to give my love away to April, the kids, and my friends here.